Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the second hour of the program. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425, if you'd like to be a part of the program. much the Democrats this morning, my goodness gracious, or this afternoon now, it's all run together. I've basically been up the whole night. It's just my goodness gracious. What a terrible, terrible time for the Democrats. What a, what, what bad news for the Democrats. Now, I have harsh words. Friends, I come in peace and I love you all. I have harsh words to my friends who are Democrats. Love your neighbor. You're not acting like it, so your neighbors just throw your butts out of office. Love your neighbor. You have paid attention to nothing. You have learned nothing. You're like the Bourbons of France. You've forgotten nothing and you learn nothing. You are so convinced that it's all about white supremacy and racism when actually it's about the bottom line. You misjudged and people got mad at you. You decided you knew best for parents' kids when you have none. The parents got mad at you. You've decided you can make the nation normal by just redefining the current times as normal. And you get mad at anyone yelling at you. You're like the executioner of the boy who said the emperor had no clothes. You got to kill the kid. In fact, you're all about killing kids and that's not really helping you at the polls as an issue. I love you. You're not my enemy, most of you. You just disagree with me. And the voters are rejecting you. They're not rejecting my side. They're rejecting your side because you have lost faith in your fellow man and you are treating them with contempt and derision. You don't want to hear their issues. You think they are racist for raising issues you disagree with. You don't want to try to understand them. My side does a better job of understanding your side than your side does of understanding my side because my side is more likely to come in contact with you than you are to come in contact with me. You live in progressive enclaves and rarely do you penetrate outside those progressive enclaves while the rest of us have to put up with your crap at the office. All your gender pronouns and diversity work sessions and training sessions and the nonsense you're throwing at your clothes. We got to put up with it. We got to grin and bear it or we lose our jobs. You, on the other hand, my goodness gracious. You can shut us out, have us fired and drive us to the countryside and then force us to put on a mask and take a shot, and you have no consequence until last night. You had consequence, and now you're blaming us. You're not self-reflecting. You need to be self-reflective. You need to be self-reflective, and you're not. 
to the people on television you've been putting on Democratic talking heads who even today are telling you no big deal, no harm, no foul. It means nothing. In fact, it is NBC, I think, that is running a story today that the Yunkin win in Virginia really means nothing, nothing about what's coming in 2022. Yep, here it is. It's MSNBC. Yunkin's victory in Virginia doesn't do midterm Democrats. Terry McAuliffe's likely loss isn't the predictor of 2022 results that some are already claiming. It's one election among many other elections at the state and local level that maybe perhaps if you turn your head and squint, form a cohesive narrative. The trouble with that is that in trying to soothe out the edges into a recognizable shape, the contours of each race are lost. No, not really. Not really. I know you got to spin it, but you're being disingenuous. And the problem is you're lying to reporters and the reporters are stupid and lazy and they don't realize you're spinning them and they regurgitated as truth, and you're setting the traps for yourself. But, friend, there's 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 another side of this, friends. I love y'all. I got harsh words for y'all, too. I do. I say it lovingly, but it needs to be said. You may need to sit down for this one. This is going to set some of you on fire. You're going to be burning with rage. You're going to be mad at me, but it needs to be said because it's truth. Are you ready? I don't think most of you are, but I'm going to say it anyway. It is remarkable that the Democrats can steal elections under Donald Trump, but can't steal elections under Democrats. Truly, staggeringly remarkable. There are many of you who are still holding firm and fixed to the fact that 2020 was stolen. And somehow the Democrats could not steal the Virginia governor's race. They could not steal the Virginia House of Delegates. They could not steal the Virginia lieutenant governor's race. They could not steal the Virginia attorney general's race. They couldn't steal any of their races, but somehow they were capable and smart enough to steal the most complicated, convoluted election. They were somehow able to navigate the electoral college swing state balance, popular votes of various states and the voting machine differences of lots of states where in some states, every county has a different system and were somehow able to do all of that and steal the presidency but couldn't steal a little old popular vote election in Virginia. Just remarkable. Will you please now shut up? Will you please now stop being a victim? I don't care that I'm getting your panties in a wad and your butt hurt by what I'm saying. Shut up. Stop being a victim. Republicans won last night. You know, Gateway Pundit, that that lunatic is out there saying, oh, you know, this was a PSYOP operation. They allowed McAuliffe to lose to lure Republicans into a false sense of complacency that they don't have the ability to steal elections so that they can steal the next one. If you believe that, you are in a cult. You are in a cult. There is more historic real-world evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ than there is for the stolen election of 2020. And yet you believe the latter and it harms your witness on the former. Stop it. 
It was not stolen, and if it was stolen, it is remarkable that elections can be stolen under Donald Trump and not under Joe Biden, who controls the Justice Department and the FBI, and yet the election couldn't be stolen. Remarkable. Maybe it's a sign of the competence of the parties there, too, and you should reprioritize 2024. No, but you can't say that. You're all mad at me now. The hate mail's flowing in already because you have clung to your faith in a mythology just like the Democrats have done. If the election in 2020 were stolen, critical race theory really is racist. The mythologies are no different. It's the stuff you say to sleep well at night. And it's all a bunch of garbage. I, and I, I, you know, I put this up last night on social media and there really were people who were trying to just, and it was so cult-like, and they can't even see it. So, oh, well, they can only steal the presidential election because it involves stealing the Electoral College, not the popular vote. Really, you idiot? And now there's the, well, of course they're not going to steal this election because the whole world is watching, unlike watching a presidential election. When you start to see the reality that is right in front of you and start making excuses for it, it serves as apologetics and it becomes religion. Neverland could use you, I guess. Reality can't bother with you at this point. But that needs to be said, and it needs to be said today. It needs to be pointed out that if elections can be stolen, somehow that only happens under Donald Trump and not under Joe Biden, who controls the Justice Department and the FBI. But they still couldn't bother to steal those elections. Really, you really, really, really believe that. Apparently, some of you do. Shame on you. Send me all the hate mail. I don't care. It'll make you feel better. And that's what it's really about, your feelings. You lost and you didn't think you would. And now you're all upset. And see, this is part of the reason why it's all victimization as well, because me saying it makes you mad because you want to be a victim. Now the Democrats want to be victims, and therein you are all the same. Because the Democrats right now, they're on social media right now, ready to burn down America. I told you people yesterday, the moment that election was over, they would be screaming racism, and they are at the top of their lungs, they are screaming racism. It is all race and racism. It is white supremacy. It is white power. It is white parents. It is whiteness itself that was on the ballot in Virginia, and those Hispanic voters in Virginia, they voted for it, and those stupid black voters stayed home. How dare they? Don't they know? They've just elevated white supremacy and Donald Trump. It is remarkable how Democrats will twist themselves in knots, exactly like the stolen election crowd, to try to avoid ever having to deal with the reality of the situation that the voters rejected them. And the voters did reject the Democrats yesterday. They're rejecting the Democrats in New Jersey. Don't look now. The, Virgin the New Jersey governor's race it's been called for the Democrats already, but the Republicans ahead 122 votes right now. It is 1.18 p.m. if you're listening to this live, and the Republican has gotten ahead again by 122 votes. It was a bad, bad night for the people who built up a mythology to convince themselves of their wins. They built the mythology to help them sleep well at night. 
In the process, they believed the mythology and detached themselves from reality. And the reality was there was a growing backlash against the Democrats. Parents across America are infuriated with their kids and education, what they overheard on the Zoom calls, that their kids are masked up, backed up, going back to school, and schools are shutting down. People are mad about wearing the masks on planes. They're mad about the shortages. They're mad about inflation. They're mad about gas prices. They're just mad. And on top of that, you've got a president of the United States who surrendered Afghanistan to the terrorists and made us all less safe, and it showed he is incompetent and incapable of handling the problems when he and everyone in the media and the Democrats assured us he'd be better than the other guy, and it turns out he's worse. But don't mistake that for the voters wanting the other guy to come back. Here's the the irony of where we are, headed now, a year away from the midterms, and then a presidential race in 2024. You get Trump or you get Trumpism. If you decide you want him more than his policies, you're going to get nothing. If you decide you want his policies and not him, you're probably going to get all of it and then some. The voters are ready to move on, not move back. You probably need to start thinking about that as we get closer and closer to the midterms and then really start thinking about 2024. Voters want to move forward. They don't want to move backwards. They want normalcy. They rejected the last guy because they thought he made things abnormal, and now they're rejecting the new guy because he promised to get back to normal and decided the new normal is the normal, and nobody wants that either. They want something they had before. Whoever can provide them that is going to win. Americans continue to navigate through multiple crises this year. We the People, a Bradley speaker series, offers insights and ideas on the current challenges we face from some remarkable organizations the Bradley Foundation supports. Visit bradleyfdn.org liberty to watch their most recent episode. It features Stephen Suckup, author of The Dictatorship of Woke Capital, How Political Correctness Captured Big Business, an Encounter Books publication. In the episode, Suckup discusses the left's gradual takeover of corporate America and why the free market hasn't been able to prevent it, the dangerous impact of shareholder activism and efforts to push back on it. That's Bradley with an L-E-Y at the end, fdn.org slash liberty to watch the video. New episodes debut weekly. Go back often, subscribe to their YouTube channel to be notified when a new episode is posted. That's bradleyfdn.org slash liberty. Hi there. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Those of you on hold, just just give me through the bottom of the hour, please, because I, I got I got all these points in my head. They're not written down, and I got to spill them out or I'm going to forget them. And this is a really important one that people need to pay attention to. Can we talk about the polling? The polling numbers were not on the money, but as I've been telling you guys, the trend lines are there. The New Jersey gubernatorial race did not get a lot of press attention, but it got polling, and the polling in New Jersey showed the trend lines where the Republican was narrowing, 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 narrowing to a tied race. In Virginia, the polling trend lines showed Glenn Youngkin had moved into the lead. Now, one of the things that threw Virginia off to a degree was that early voting started back in September, so it's really hard to capture all of that, but my goodness gracious. The polling trends actually came through even as the bottom line number may not have, but the bottom line number was better than in the past. And the real clear politics polling average remains the gold standard. It has worked very well. Now, all of that being said, 
the Democrats probably now need to pay attention. We, we have some baseline metrics on polling now from last night. And that should bother the Democrats greatly as they try to do their Build Back Better agenda. In fact, we're going to spend some time. I'm going to take phone calls first when we come back, and then we're going to spend time on that. This morning, Nancy Pelosi is saying that what happened in Virginia and New Jersey is not going to dissuade the Democrats from going full steam ahead. It probably should because the Biden agenda is becoming more and more radioactive for Americans. And again, the number may not be right, but the trend lines are. And I've talked to a number of pollsters. In fact, I've been texting with a friend of mine who is one of the very top Republican pollsters. In fact, he was Glenn Youngkin's pollster. And he told me on Monday night what the tracking number was. And I wasn't sure I could believe it. And I know he's a good pollster. It was too good to be true. And it turned out to be true. The surge was real. And the behind the scenes pollsters picked it up. Now, I had that conversation with Wes Anderson yesterday, pollster who was also polling for the Republican Governors Association in Virginia. And he said one of the big problems with polling is Democrats decided to weaponize polling. So they release a cheap poll that tells them what they want to hear, and the media can't get enough of the polling. So the media runs with these stories. For the last year, the media has run with a bunch of stories based on progressive polling showing that the Biden agenda was very popular, except it's clearly not popular. It's clearly not. It is a situation where the Democrats constructed a narrative for the media and then chose to believe their own press. And had they actually done some detailed polling, it's not that the Republican polling is right and the Democratic polling is wrong. It's that the Democrats decided to try to construct some polls to reassure them what they believe were true as opposed to finding out what really is true. That really matters. So moving forward into the midterms, we can be skeptical of the number, but we should recognize that the trend lines were sound. And if the trend lines were as sound as they were, that spells a bad year for the Democrats because the trend lines are positively awful for the Democrats. If the Republicans even get close, if the Republicans get within five points on the generic ballot, there tends to be a wave. And they're at Democrat plus two right now, which means that's actually a huge Republican wave if you know how the generic ballot works. If you take the Virginia data and the New Jersey data last night, Republicans should be expecting to pick up 50 to 60 seats in the House of Representatives next year as it is currently districted. And remember, the Republicans are going to redistrict it to make it even more Republican, which means it's going to be a really bad year. I can tell you there's going to be a warning sign. Pay attention to this one. If you only listen to one thing I say today, listen to this. You're going to start seeing Democrats retiring from Congress at a pretty great clip. And that's going to be a warning sign that the Democrats in Congress know the red wave is upon them and there's no escaping it. When the resignations start or the, or the retirements start from Democrats in Congress, that's a big red flag. You know they know they're losing Congress. And guess what? They're about to lose Congress given the trend lines and the metrics out there. A little birdie tells me that I should also be paying attention to Nassau County, New York. 
Nassau County is Long Island. Uh, in fact, you know, Brian Kilmeade is going to, to join me. Brian Kilmeade lives in Nassau County. I'm going to ask him about it. It's, it's a big portion of Long Island. It is Democrat. Well, it was Democrat until last night. Uh, the Republicans have swept through local races, including uh, the Republicans winning the district attorney in Nassau County uh, over the issue of bail reform. Uh, big red wave in Nassau County uh, in local local elections. That's a pretty big deal. That's still right outside New York City. Okay, now to the phones. Uh, Keith in Aberdeen, North Carolina. Keith, welcome. Thank you. I just want to tell you that I turned off Fox to listen to you because they turned into cheerleaders and they're not providing good analysis. Well, so, look, I appreciate it. The uh, question I wanted to ask you was about the big elephant in the room. We had Trump calling in, his, creating his own call up there to have a rally because he was being left out. How do we keep him from injecting himself into the campaign? Or rather, he's going to do that. The question is, how does the candidate keep this from impacting him? So, you know, I, I would give you a very nuanced answer here, Keith. Uh, there are going to be areas of the country where Donald Trump on the campaign trail really helps a candidate. Uh, but there will also be areas in the country where he really hurts a candidate. Virginia is one of those areas where it would have hurt Glenn Youngkin, and they knew it, to have Donald Trump campaigning with him out in the public. So they took a very hands-off approach. Uh, there were phone calls in from the president to, to certain groups that Glenn Youngkin was not a part of and separate rallies. It was a very smart, hands-off, he's doing his own thing, I'm not a part of it approach. Uh, then you get to, let's say, Alabama. Uh, you, you bring Donald Trump down in Alabama and you campaign in most of Alabama, the candidate he campaigns with is probably going to win. Or here in Georgia, we've got Herschel Walker running for the Senate, uh, commanding lead in polling right now uh, that Donald Trump supported. So he, Trump could probably help. But in suburban Atlanta, Donald Trump hurts candidates. So you got to be careful with how you do that. I, so I, I, I don't think it's an all or nothing, Keith. I really do think it's a very nuanced approach depending on the region of the country and the parts of states people are in, whether or not Donald Trump will help or not. Uh, I will say this, Democrats tried very, very hard to make Donald Trump part of the 2021 race, and it didn't work. The voters were far more focused and interested in the candidates themselves and what they stood for than anything about Donald Trump because he's not president of the United States right now. The phone number, if you got a question on any of this stuff, 877-973-7425. Let me go back to the phones. Kelly, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hi, how are you doing, Eric? Thanks for taking my call. I, I have a question. I have my own opinion, but I have a question. Is this bubble that everybody's living in, especially on uh, the news bubble, is how many of their kids go to a public school? How many politicians' kids go to a public school? And do they really know what's going on in a public school? Uh, you look, take Terry McAuliffe. McAuliffe was talking about the great education his kids got in Virginia, and his kids went to private school. Uh, McAuliffe was talking about the yeah. input that parents had at his at his kids' school, and it was a private school. His wife was on the board. I think a lot of them don't, and, and you hit on something here. A lot of parents send their kids to public schools, and the the Democratic leaders don't. And as a result of that, they live in a different world and, and they try to relate. They try to make it sound like they're connected, uh, but they're not. Uh, so my buddy Fisher's texted me. He makes a point. Um, the, the, the county 
in New York is Nassau County. Nassau County. My problem. So I'm wearing braces to have all freaking things. I cannot pronounce words today because I got these stupid things in my mouth. And my dentist told me I had to have them in my mouth today. So they're in my mouth today. And so if I sound like there are words I should be able to pronounce, like Nassau, I can't. <laughs> my jaw's locked. <laughs> and it's driving me crazy. But, you know, I feel like I need a shot collar on as well because there are some words I'm about to say on the radio and I've been having to catch myself all day. So I need an electric shock button to just shut me up. <laughs> I'll let Brian kill me. At the top of the hour, Brian Kilmeade is going to join me and I'll, I'll let him give the correct New York pronunciation to some of these counties. All right, Trey, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric, I was just calling to ask uh, how you felt about the other day. I saw on the news where uh, David Perdue had suggested he may be running for governor uh, for Georgia. How does that make you feel? And, and uh, what do you think the outcome might be? Could it turn into uh, possibly to like another runoff like it was with David Collins and uh, Leffler? Doug Collins, yeah. You know, um, I'm, I am concerned about uh, Purdue getting in because well, I really do like the guy. Uh, and I, I mean, I would support Kemp. I think he's done a good job, even as I like David Purdue. I think most Republicans would. The problem, though, is that it'll be a really, really deeply divisive race at a time when the Republicans run on a unified front. They're going to win. And I think if, if Purdue runs, he's going to force Brian Kemp to spend an exorbitant amount of money to secure the nomination, which I think he would do, but then he would be unable to match the money poured in out of state by Democrats to win, and you could hand the state to the Democrats. Now, this raises an issue, though. The environment headed into 2022. Does Stacey Abrams even bother running in Georgia? in 2022 y'all think you just just work with me on this one stacy abrams has become a national democrat figure she has said she wants to run for president it is very clear the headwinds are against the democrats in fact in georgia stacy abrams put up a number of candidates for mayoral races and, and other local races and they all lost last night including the mayor of Sandy Springs, Georgia, a prominent suburb north of Atlanta. The headwinds are turning against the Democrats. Larry Sabato's crystal ball in Virginia has moved the Warnock race, along with uh, Nevada and Arizona, Georgia. They've all moved to toss up races for the Senate from lean Democrat. If the Republicans get the right guy for the Senate, and I, I'm... I understand and I like the Herschel Walker candidacy and I like the team around him. I'm I'm still worried about the Democratic attacks that we know are going to come. They're going to be ruthless and brutal, and you and I both know they're going to work. Still have concerns. By the way, speaking of, uh, I mentioned the other day, uh, several people told me Latham Sadler, who's running in that race, would be getting into a congressional race. He called me yesterday and, and insists very much he is not running, and several other people related to him have called and told me he is absolutely in it to win at the Senate race. This is a guy, he was a Navy SEAL who actually backpacked through Afghanistan. Uh, young guy, heck of a compelling message, says he's running for the Senate. But Walker dominates right now in, in the polling. He's over 50% already just based on name ID. Does he get roughed up by Gary Black enough there? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm concerned a little bit about that race still. I think Walker's going to have to convince me that he's got what it takes. I'm not sold on that. 
I know a lot of Republican voters are because Donald Trump endorsed him and he's Herschel Walker. I'm seeing too many celebrity candidates uh, blow it in the general election. I'm persuadable, though. I'm not opposed to him. But what about Stacey Abrams? Abrams has built herself up a national ID, and the headwinds are dramatically against the Democrats right now. If Abrams runs for governor in 2022 and she loses, she's kind of not a viable candidate for anything. She's been able to peddle the mythology that she really won in 2018, that she was excluded, that voters were suppressed. If she can't do it in 2022, the Democrats are going to move on to other people. She's got a really good thing going right now. A really good thing. And she, I mean, she's she's very popular with the Democrats. She's making a lot of money. And she wants to run for president. Here's my theory. It's not really my theory because I'm the last one to the table on this. I presume she was going to run for governor in Georgia in 2022. I, I'm starting to think, given the political environment, she's not. She's going to get Jen Jordan, the state senator who's running for attorney general, move her over to run for governor, and, and Abrams will take a pass so she can run for president in 2024, where she will not run, she will not win. She's going to challenge Kamala Harris. She's going to come from the left. She's going to allow Kamala Harris to own the disaster that is the Biden administration. She will argue for a fresh face, and she will lose. But she will use that then to run in 2026 in Georgia, knowing the odds are Brian Kemp is going to win re-election. And then maybe in 2026, if the GOP is in the White House, she'll be able to win. That's a theory in Georgia, and there's some credibility to that. Uh, and I'm I'm starting to wonder if that's what she does. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Charlie, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Um, so I know you, you talked a little bit about races kind of at the state or local level um, as far as Trump and his influence, but I wanted to see what your take was after the results, um, what you thought about the 2024 election? Do you still think it will be Trump? Could it be somebody like DeSantis? Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, okay. So I, my suspicion is, in all honesty and candor, that we're going to have uh, someone other than Trump in 2024 who will bridge the gap between the Trump fans and the non-Trump fans on the right. My suspicion is that it'll be someone like Ron DeSantis. I don't know that it will be him per se, but um, we're, we're going to see a fight on the right for people who can bridge that gap. Now, listen, I, I understand that President Trump's team says he's running. I, I, I get that. I also get that if he were to say right now he's not, then suddenly his value as an endorser in 2022 goes away. He wants to beat people in 2022. He wants to beat Brian Kemp in Georgia. He wants to beat Liz Cheney in Wyoming. He's got a lot of candidates he wants to beat. So he needs to stay as a viable person so the voters and the GOP don't go on and move on. So moving forward into 2024, I still put the odds on someone else running in his stead, probably with his blessing, and it would probably be someone like Ron DeSantis. I know Christy Nome wanted it. I think she's kind of blown herself up at this point. 
trying to blow up Ron DeSantis. Josh Hawley from Missouri wants it greatly. You're already seeing people this morning. People are already saying, hey, what about Glenn Youngkin? I'm sorry, you can't run for governor in 2021 and then try to run for president in 2024. I just don't think so. Um, but there are a lot of candidates out there. Nikki Haley's going to run. I think Ted Cruz is going to run. Tom, Tom Cotton's going to run. Josh Hawley's going to run. Ron DeSantis is going to run. Maybe Doug Ducey runs. Um, you know, there, there's even been a rumor about David Perdue running for president uh, instead of governor. I, I I don't think he runs for either. I hope he doesn't run for governor. He'd be intriguing for president, actually, given his background. But what I suspect is the GOP is going to get through 2022 and say, okay, we can beat Biden, but we need to move forward because we need to bring new people into the coalition. Who can do that? My hope is that they go with a fresh face. I know a lot of people want Trump to run again. I just think that it would be wiser for the GOP to realize they have a very deep bench now, and that's something just, some of you will be mad at me for saying that, but just grab a hold of this point instead. The Democrats don't have a deep bench. They keep getting wiped out. So, the Democrats keep getting wiped out and they keep having a smaller and smaller bench. They're going to have to go with, with wilder candidates like Buttigieg while the Republicans have a whole lot of governors, a whole lot of senators, a whole lot of other people who can run for this race. The Republicans have a huge selection of people they can choose from. And I think that's a good thing to be able to have that. Uh, You don't want 500 people running like we had in 2016, but at the same time, you do actually want to be able to have a good selection of candidates. Right now, I think the front runner is on DeSantis, if he can keep it up. Now, y'all, I got to tell you about Patriot Mobile because, my goodness gracious, you know they, they help fund the conservative cause. And, and that cause you saw winning across the nation last night. Patriot Mobile contributes to the pro-life movement, the Second Amendment movement. There's a big gun case in the Supreme Court today we got to talk about. Patriot Mobile contributes to those causes because they are explicitly a Christian conservative company. And they want to do business with people who share their values and they want to contribute to the causes you care about. And if you use them as your cell phone carrier, they have great data. They got great coverage. You can see it for yourself at their website and they'll give you free activation with my name. You go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you call them 972-PATRIOT. 972-PATRIOT, that's their phone number. They got 100% U.S.-based customer service. They will gladly do business with you. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. They share your values. You might as well do business with a company that's not woke, that wants you. They want you. You want them. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. A.J. Kaufman at PJ Media needs some credit for this. Headline, Atlanta wins World Series, MLB's progressive elite lose. It was a splendid scene around America late Tuesday night, including at Minute Maid Park in downtown Houston against all odds. The Atlanta Braves won Major League Baseball's World Series for the first time in more than a quarter century. Moreover, in a fitting twist of irony, a left-wing villain presented them their championship trophy to cascading boos from the stands. I mean, y'all, it was brutal. The boos were brutal. Seven months ago, As the 2021 season commenced, Major League Baseball's clueless leadership caved to social media mobs and Stacey Abrams and the uninformed president's pleas that the All-Star game be moved out of Atlanta. 
Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred rapidly capitulated to partisan hysteria and stole the Midsummer Classic from Georgia due to a dishonest campaign against the state's innocuous new election laws. Notice, by the way, no one's been out there screaming about stolen elections or voter suppression or anything else. In fact, they had a record number of people vote in the metro Atlanta area unimpeded by the state's new law yesterday. Manfred's ignoble statement was Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to the ballot box and other debunked cliches. While the Braves end up atop the baseball world, Joe Biden and Rob Manfred are still floundering. Yes, it's true. It was a good night for America across the board. I, y'all, um, I wish I had been able to go to one of the games. I really, I, yes, next year, my resolution for the next baseball season is to go to more Braves games. I can't afford season tickets yet. Uh, I guess I, I technically could in the nosebleed seats, but I really want to get good seats. Um, and I'm hoping to be able to go at some point uh, to more games. And it was fantastic last night to watch the baseball commissioner booed off the stage by the combined Astros and Braves fans. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. He deserved to be booed, and he was. And the Braves deserved to win, and they did. I am so happy for them. It's, it's you know, dare I wonder if Georgia goes all the way in college football now? I, 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 is the curse broken? Because I just, I've had this theory that if the Braves were to win the World Series, Georgia would probably win the college football national championship. And if they lost, Georgia would lose because I think God either wants us happy or wants us broken people. And I've leaned towards he just really wanted us broken, which he does. Theologically, he does. But I just assumed he wanted all of Georgia broken for some reason. So I've been excited. I mean, I expect the Braves to somehow lose the World Series today even though they won last night. Wouldn't surprise me. We got to move on, though, and I want to keep taking your phone calls. Be patient with me, please. When we come back, Brian Kilmeade is going to join me. Brian's got a new book out. He's going to be in the Atlanta area where my flagship station, WSB, is signing some books and want to talk to him about his book. But, boy, I got to talk to him about Nassau County and the election up in in New York because that hadn't got a lot of media coverage. That's where he lives, and it was a big Republican blowout there as well last night. We'll get into it when we come back. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 